Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman. We are joined again this week, a repeat guest, Andrew Tarvin. Now, I know Andrew is Drew, but if you look up his book, Humor That Works, the title says Andrew Tarvin, so I want to make sure that you can find it. He's the world's first humor engineer. He teaches people how to get better results while actually having more fun. Organizations like Microsoft and the FBI and the International Association of Canine Professionals have reached out to Drew. He's the author of his latest book, Humor That Works, which is absolutely brilliant. And his TEDx talk has been viewed over 4 million times. He's delivered programs in 50 states, 20 countries, and two planet. Oh, wait, no, new information, just one planet. He loves the color orange and is obsessed with chocolate. We're going to talk about the biggest mistake or misconception people have about humor, the five skills of work where you can use humor, and then the three areas when not to use humor. You're going to have a blast listening to Drew Tarvin. Drew Tarvin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. I, you know, it's it's funny because there aren't a lot of people who get invited back, but your content and your ideas are so popular and people like them so much that if I didn't have you back, there would be a revolt by my listeners. Yeah, well, and we tend to have a, a good time in our conversations, whether they're recorded or not. So maybe that's part of it. <laughs> we had a great conversation, but it wasn't recorded. I can't mm-hmm. use it on the podcast. I know. I'll call Drew again and we'll record it. <laughs> so can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know? Absolutely. So what's not surprising about me is that I am a nerd. Um, one of the uh, comments on my uh, TEDx talk is that you can hear the nerd in his voice, uh, which I think is fantastic. So people immediately know that I'm a nerd. But what they may not know is of one of the types of nerds that I am is a hip-hop nerd. So I am a huge fan of hip-hop, grew up on uh, rap for sure, uh, love the wordplay and the lyricism, and uh, Kendrick Lamar is probably my favorite uh, musician of all time. Uh, so that's something that people don't always know. You know, and I, I didn't even know that, and now I feel like my life's complete. <laughs> I feel like it's all covered now. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And I actually, uh, for a period of time, wanted to grow up to become a rapper, um, but uh, discovered one of my old rap notebooks and realized why that never happened. Uh, and that's because uh, one of the bars was uh, hydrogen plus hydrogen plus oxygen 2 bonded together with covalent glue. What do you get? Just a thing called water. Yeah, it's steaming up, and it's only getting hotter. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing you didn't go into that field. Did, yeah. you, did you have a hip-hop name in mind? I had like a 1,000 that I wanted to go by. Uh, you know, the biggest one that I, I wanted to be Drew Pac, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't have the cred to be able to pull that off. And so uh, the, the, most, the one that I used the most was Isaac Druton. Oh, perfect. Yeah, which mm-hmm. which ties into the whole theme. So that's Yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. Yeah, that's it fits. Awesome. So now I, I guarantee there is a subset of our audience who would love for this to be a whole conversation about hip hop. And and those people are probably going to be disappointed today because I want to tap into your expertise when it comes to humor in the workplace. So what's the greatest 
misconception? What's the greatest mistake that you see people make when it comes to humor in business? I think uh, probably the biggest misconception is that, uh, you know, last time I think we talked about more about the misconception that humor, you know, humor is in fact a skill. People think that it's an innate ability, but it is something that can be learned. But I think when it comes to business, I think the biggest misconception is that it is a nice to have. That humor is like, yeah, it's, you know, kind of an added bonus. It's not something that's strategic. It's not something to really focus on. If there's, you know, humor or levity in the workplace, great. But if not, you know, oh, well. And the reality is that it's my belief, and the research would back this up, that in today's overworked, underappreciated, stress-filled, sleep-deprived world, humor is a must-have. So, so what, do you, what do you mean by that? So get, dig, dig into that a little bit mm-hmm. deeper when you say it's a must-have instead of just a gotta-have or a yeah. must-have versus a nice-to-have. Yeah, I think that um, part of it is just the the culture of work is changing. Uh, So millennials are the first generation to list fun as a cultural value that they're seeking at work. And so if you want to start to attract top talent, then humor or having fun is is part of that work. So that's, you know, one reason why it's a a must-have, but also because of how it works. Because it is effective, because 83% of Americans are stressed out at work, because 55% of Americans are unsatisfied with their jobs, because 47% of Americans struggle to stay happy, right? All this is suggesting that the current way of working isn't really working. And so in today's world, when we live in a knowledge economy and people's emotions or whether they're stressed at home or at work or how they feel in a given day impacts their productivity, impacts their effectiveness, uh, something like humor – is a valuable skill to be able to get better results. So, so when you talk about getting better results, I, I know that in the book, in Humor That Works, you talk about this idea of there are five skills of work. And the one thing that I want to make sure that people first get a real, a real understanding of is the difference between comedy and humor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, talk okay. a little bit about that because you know, sometimes people hear humor and they think, Oh, great. So now I need what what would have been the class clown is now the office clown. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're talking about. Not at all. Yeah, that's a, a great distinction is that, you know, when you look at the definition of humor, it's defined as a, a comic, absurd or incongruous quality causing amusement. So comedy is certainly included. Laughter, jokes, all that. That's all a subset of humor. But it also is something that's maybe a little bit silly or more often something that's just a little bit different. And so it's not necessarily about making the workplace funny but making the workplace a little bit more fun, right? Adding a little bit of levity, changing how you do things, including, you know, uh, images in your presentations or uh, starting a presentation with a story or listening to a comedy podcast on your way home from work or, you know, applying humor across, you know, to, to start to segue into the other question that you asked around these five skills, just using humor as a way of how you're doing these skills as opposed to what you're doing. So let's let's talk about the five skills and what what would be great is if as part of these skills you can kind of explain the way people traditionally think of those skills and then how humor applies and actually enriches those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh the five skills no matter who you are what you do your work kind of boils down to to five things. At first you have to be able to execute you have to be able to, to complete a task. You have to be able to you know, send an email or shave an alpaca or whatever your you know, job is, role is. You have to be able to do something, right? You have to get things done. But you uh, did say shave an alpaca, right? I just want right, to make yeah, sure I got people, it. Okay, yeah, I'm just taking notes people, and I want to make sure I didn't miss it. I mean some people shave alpacas. I mean it might not yeah. be every office, but some offices somewhere – 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't anymore. Yeah, right? not anymore. You you've uh, you just um, pay for the the wool to come in, right? But yeah, someone, well, you know what? And, and and I gotta tell you, I, I miss it terribly. <laughs> yeah, uh, this it, it you know it's a shearing good time. No, yeah. uh, you know went for a pun and, and kind of missed it a little bit there. <laughs> um, so the so the first skill is you have to be able to execute. The second skill is you have to be able to think. Right, strategically, you have to be able to think critically and creatively. You have to be able to create a long-term strategic plan. You have to be able to solve problems as they arise. So you have to be able to do that. And and for me, for us with Humor That Works, we put execute first because your first job, you know, if you're working at a McDonald's, if you're working at a different place, that execution is the first thing, right? You don't have to. If you're frying French fries, yeah, there's some thinking and some processing that goes on, but it's not the high-level. You know, you're not creating the McDonald's marketing plan. Back there while doing the fries. So, yeah, so, so, so that, at that point, you're not thinking to yourself, well, let's say, okay, st- so strategically, has that little beeper gone off that tells me to take the fries <laughs> out? Right. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't take them out yet. When do you take them out? When the buzzer goes, oh, okay. I, so, all right. Yeah, so. you're executing according to you know a plan, and then the next step is yeah. Then once you get into uh, you know once you become more maybe you know, you become a manager, you start you know filling shifts at their role, or you're in a, a corporate environment and your first role out of out of college as a new hire, you then have to start to to create that plan. You have to start planning your own schedule and creating all those types of things. So the think pieces is is second is the second skill. Yep. The third skill is communicating. Uh, it's you know being able to articulate an idea that you have, and it's the exchange of an idea. It's getting someone else to understand a concept or what you know Thomas Harrell called verbal fluency, right? The ability to articulate the intelligence that you have. Uh, incredibly important. It's something that we do 80% of our time, and you have to be able to communicate not in a way that you know you're just expressing something out, but that other people can actually understand what you're talking about. Sure, and and, uh, and communication different from just speaking. So mm-hmm. part of communication is being able to take in inputs from outside and adjust your message based on how the audience is responding. Whoever, even that's an audience of one or an audience of a thousand. Absolutely. That that ability to, to receive the information, right? That you talk about with the same side selling in order to know that, you know, what when you're kind of on that same side trying to see, hey, can we solve this problem together? You have to have listened to the other person and understood what they've been saying in terms of what their problem actually is, so that you can then turn that around and, and position what you do in a way that makes sense to them, that will, you know, help them solve that problem. Uh, so then the fourth skill is being able to connect. Um, at a human level, that's you know emotional intelligence and empathy. It's it's recognizing that you know we we still work with humans. At the end of the day, we're working with humans. You're selling to humans, and so you have to understand how humans work. You have to be able to build relationships, build rapport with them, and understand that when we have shared experiences, when we have shared emotions, uh, that's when we kind of have that. That's how we build those relationships together. Got it. And then and the then fifth one, because this is killing me. Yeah, I know. The fifth one is you have to be able to lead. You have to be able to influence people. And it doesn't matter. You know, again, if you're the brand new hire, you sometimes have to influence your manager that the way that you want to do something is the right way to do it. Or if you're the CEO, you have a tons of leadership decisions that you're making day to day. But every role has some subset of those five. And again, maybe if as a new hire, it maybe, you know, is percentage wise a little bit more lower in the pyramid. And as a leader, maybe it's a little bit higher, but you have to be able to do those five things. But it turns out, right, that we as humans uh, in our current way of working aren't so good at the how. 
that's the 83% of Americans being stressed out. That's the 70% of the workforce being disengaged, uh, costing the U.S. economy an estimated $500 billion in lost productivity every year, right? And so when yeah, – You add that about, up over time, it's real money. Oh, it's, it's real money. It's, it's, if you do the math on it, it's $4,638 per disengaged employee that you have. And so you think about that every single year, you multiply the number of employees that you have and take 70% of that, you're starting to look at real dollar amounts in terms of what's missing from your organization. And so you know, the, the idea is that certainly you can work on the what, you can improve how to think, you can improve you know, communication, but it's not really so much what you do because it's always going to be those five things. It's you know, if you want to get to the next level, it's about changing how you do them. And so the sixth skill, the missing skill at work is humor. It's how we do each one of those five. So we can apply humor across each one of those to improve uh, each skill to get them to the next level. Yeah, and, and we're not we're not expecting people. The the goal of this is not. Hey, listen. So tomorrow morning when you go into the office, instead of dressing like you normally do, put on a chicken suit. Mm-hmm. And and wow, that's really going to make an impact. Um, not necessarily a positive one, but an impact yeah, it's gonna, nonetheless. It's, it's going to make an impact of some sort. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and, and I know that I know that in the book you talk about ten different humor strategies, but I imagine that there are people who are listening who, uh, like for example, I'll often get questions after I speak an event. And someone says, "Well, so do you think I should use humor in my talks?" And I always give kind of a two-part answer, which is, "Well, if you don't think you're funny or have any idea how to be funny, then the short answer is no. But you need to develop those skills so you can use humor." And then the other answer I'll give is I'll say, well, was – so did you find any of that last talk funny? And they say yes, and I usually say, oh, because none of it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we use humor because we know that it makes people – it draws people in. It helps them be engaged. And most mm-hmm. importantly, if you say something that catches them off guard – You've captured their attention for what you're going to say next. Mm-hmm. So how does somebody go from, all right, well, uh, I guess I'll wear uh, two different color shoes, which may not be <laughs> the right answer, to how strategically can they use humor better in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And, and you know, there's a, there's a great um, – I guess at this point it's a cliche within the speaking industry. But to that point of, you know, do you have to use humor as a speaker or do you have to be funny as a speaker? And, the, you know, the answer is only if you want to get paid. Exactly. <laughs> only if you want people to continue to listen to, to what you talk about. And, and so I think, yeah, what we can do is we can think about, you know, the way that we frame all of those skills or how to make sure that we're effectively using humor and not putting on the chicken suit um, and why that's ineffective is by following a humor map. Uh, and humor map stands for your medium audience and purpose. So your medium is, you know, how are you going to execute the humor? Is it in an email? Is it in a phone call? Is it in a conversation? Is it in a big presentation? Right? Because your medium impacts your message. We know that things like sarcasm work a little bit better when you're standing in with someone face to face and they can see that you're making a joke as opposed to reading it in a text and they're like, oh my God, this person hates me. Uh, right. The exactly. audience piece is really important because you want to know you want to, to know understand who your audience is, what they know, what they need, what they expect, because you want to deliver what they need in a way that they don't quite expect. Right. You don't want humor to be this distraction where people are like, wait, why why did you just tell that entirely long story that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today? Right. Yes, it was funny, but it doesn't help us at all, right? You still need to actually deliver against what they need. 
uh, and also your relationship to them has an impact. You know, a joke that you and I make with each other, um, you know, we can kind of poke fun at each other a little bit, all that kind of stuff because we know each other. But, you know, if I've met someone for the first time, may not be appropriate to do that. So your relationship with that person also matters. Yep. And then the final piece, the most important one, is your purpose and why do you want to use humor? And so kind of to what you talked about, there's 10 humor strategies in the book, and, and the purpose is kind of centered around those five skills. So let's say – let's take communication, for example. We know that you know if you look at a lot of different research that uh, effective communication is really two things. One, it's relevant. Not relevant to you as a communicator, as a speaker, but as uh, relevant to them as a listener, right? This is where we talk about benefits instead of features, right? Because they, the benefits are this is hey, this is why this is important to you. Sure. Uh, the second piece is that it has to be relatable, right? You have to relate things in terms that you understand uh, or that the other person understands. And so humor can be is instant relevance. Right. People love having fun. I, I know that you've experienced this uh, as well. But like if you if you're speaking at an event and it's been a little bit dry kind of before you go and people are kind of checked out and then you take the stage and you say something pretty funny early on in like the first two minutes and you get people laughing. The people who aren't engaged at that point, the people who are looking at their phone, they hear laughter and they look up and they're like, wait, I want to laugh. Right. I want to have a good sure. time. I better listen to what this person is saying. And that's why we say if you get people to laugh, you get them to listen. If you get them to listen, then you get them to learn or you get them to take action. Sure. Right? And so we can use humor in that specific. So if we're using humor for that specific reason to get people to pay attention, that might be different types. That may be a different type of humor that we're using as opposed to uh, if we're using humor as a way to build rapport with someone or if we're using humor as a way to relieve our own stress in the workplace. And so that how that's that's what helps us to create more specific, more accurate humor that gets us to the results that we're looking for. Got it. And, and are there places in business where you say, you know what, there are a few rules where in these sorts of situations – it's probably not the place to use humor. Yeah, absolutely. Like humor is just it's another tool, right? Uh, so in the book we use the metaphor of a screwdriver, right? Humor is kind of like a screwdriver because you can use humor to build something up. You could also use humor to take something apart. You know, it has some type of little bit of a, a twist. And though it's meant to be, you know, a, a tool that's used in and hopefully good ways, you could technically stab someone with a screwdriver. Right? So it's a all matter Perfect. of like how you use it. Humor is, is the same way. And so typically um, the map will help you understand if it's going to be effective, but typically humor is inappropriate for one of three reasons. Uh, first, it's inappropriate because it has an inappropriate subject or an inappropriate topic, right? Using humor is not an excuse to then talk about, you know, sex, drugs, or rock and roll in the workplace. You know, you can't be like, here, you know, I get this racist joke. It's really funny though, right? Still not appropriate <laughs> for work. Uh, the second reason why it's inappropriate is that it has an inappropriate uh, target. So, you know, sometimes we, we have more negative humor, again, where we're maybe poking fun of someone. And again, that's fine if you have a great relationship with that person. But if you're using humor as a way to kind of like do this impersonation of your boss who you hate and, you know, you're doing it kind of out of malice, that's, you know, maybe it helps you relieve a little bit of stress, but it's not going to make anything better in the long term. So and you want to make sure – Andrew, I also, I also want to make sure that, that people get that – this applies to your competitors also, meaning oftentimes mm -hmm. someone will say, oh, well, we know that these guys suck. And you just – you can't do it because a lot of times people believe that they can, they can trash or poke fun at their competitors. And I just think those things often um, fly like a lead balloon. 
Oh, for sure. Because what you've just told the audience or, what, or the person that you're speaking to is that you're willing to make fun of someone behind their back. Yeah. And you're trying to position yourself based on their kind of perceived weaknesses as opposed to your strengths. Got it. Yeah, that's a, and, and and so that's the, a great and point. So you said one, not to use humor. When And there's three inappropriate reasons. Mm-hmm. The topic of the subject, an inappropriate target, and what's the third? Third one is an inappropriate time. So, you know, the humor is not always going to be appropriate, right? If you're, uh, you know, if you have to fire someone, if you have to lay someone off, it's not the time to bust out, you know, your, your frozen parody of like, we've got to let you go, let you go, <laughs> not going to pay you back anymore, right? Like, exactly. it's not, it's not appropriate. And, and so there are certainly times where it's not. And, and we do some work with some, some serious organizations. And so people are like, yeah, my, my workplace is too serious for humor. And I don't think that there's any organization that could never benefit from humor. Like we've done some work with the FBI, with the Red Cross, with some emergency first responders. Absolutely. Are we saying use humor all the time? No. But when things are very stressful, humor can be very good for catharsis. It can be very good for relieving stress. Um, and so your, your humor use might not be, say, with the client or with the patient, but it might be in how you relieve stress after that situation kind of on your own. Got it. Got it. And, and so, uh, you know, I just – I, I'm picturing somebody who's laying somebody off and says, well, the good news is I know you were looking for more more spare time. And, well, you're <laughs> going to have it now. Probably not the appropriate time to drop that. No, um, right. But it, but it might be something where internally you might say – you might think to yourself just to kind of relieve the stress, well, at least Jim's going to have more time to himself now. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just and, don't and, share that with others. It's It's your don't. own – it's that it's that audience piece, and that's you know if if you talk with with people who work in very high stress situations, whether it is you know doctors in the ER room or EMTs or police officers, etc. Like a lot of times they have a, a somewhat dark sense of humor that they share in their in group, and you need that for catharsis. If you don't relieve that stress, right? We know that stress by itself is not a bad thing. Stress is how we grow. Stress is how we improve our capacity. How it you know we get how you know the reason why we're much better. To today than we were, say, five years ago in whatever role that we're doing. And if that's not true, you're in the wrong role. If you're not continually growing, something is going wrong. Um, But we do that through stress. But when we don't relieve that stress, that's when we see an increase in blood pressure, an increase in muscle tension, a decrease in the immune system. And this is where humor can be very effective for people because when we laugh, when we smile, we counteract those negative effects. And so to your kind of point earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean about becoming the clown yourself because you could simply you know, start to listen to some type of comedic video or a comedy podcast on your way home from work so that you show up more present for your family when you get there, right? You relieve that stress. Um, so you, you, one, again, like can be strategic about it. And two, you don't always have to be the creator of humor. You can be the shepherd of humor. You can share things out. Andrew, can you share an example of a company where they introduced humor and what kind of impact or result that had? And kind of, you know, just I want people to be able to have a vision of how this can be used because we're not talking about a dramatic, all of a sudden, like, you know, now we have clowns running around the office and jugglers. <laughs> um, so give me an example of, of a client where, and you don't have to name them, but just where mm-hmm. people can get a sense of, what we're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, we again, we were doing some work with the FBI, and so the FBI has an Office of Private Sector, which is, you know, it's, it's a pretty new um, 
uh, section that they're working on. And the whole idea is that they want to build relationships with CEOs at top companies so that if there is a cybersecurity breach or if they find internally that you know someone's embezzling money or something illegal is going on, they want those people to like call up the FBI and say, hey, we've discovered this and start it early, be almost more preventative as opposed to the FBI discovering about it two years later and then going through this huge investigation and, and all of that. So they're trying to build better relationships with people. But as you can imagine, you know – Getting a phone call from the FBI is a little bit intimidating. In fact, the, you know, when I was speaking with them, the, that was the first time I'd ever presented to a room where 90% of the people in the room were armed. Yeah, and, then, and, and, and talk, talk about having a rough performance. That would be it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Although uh, we were talking about this a little bit before, I, I did an event not too long after that event in Wichita, Kansas, and I said that same thing of like, yeah, it's the first time that I presented where ninety percent of the room was armed, and they kind of shook their heads like, oh no, this ninety percent of this room is also armed. Uh, so <laughs> more terrifying. Um, but the whole thing that we did was we worked on how do you build how do you use humor as a way to reduce status differentials and build rapport with someone. And so strategically, what that looks like is okay, how do individual agents in their meetings add a little bit of humor? How do they start with a little bit of humor as a way through some small talk and some easy kind of interactive things up top of the meetings? One, just kind of say, hey, I'm a human as well. I don't take myself too seriously. How can they use a little bit of self-deprecating humor to reduce that status? And then throughout the program, how do instead of taking you know something that's that hey you have to do this this is a law this is very important how do you through say association or metaphor make the stories a little bit more compelling make them a little bit more interesting so that people actually learn something in the meeting and actually paid attention in it. Right? And so none of that is about, hey, dress super weird and uh, or do this and have a bunch of punchlines. And it's it's in some ways being more human in the workplace. And a lot of times, like we'll say this with with our audiences, you know, I'll, I'll be talking with a group of senior leaders and I'll be like, my guess is that many of you are likable people <laughs> at home. Right. People are the you know, they're people that you probably laugh with your friends. You, you know, maybe you sing in the shower, you dance in the kitchen. You're a little bit silly from time to time. You make jokes, you smile more. And then you go into the workplace and something changes and you put this work face on and people no longer experience you as a human. They experience you as a shell of a human. And so bringing more of that kind of like natural, more positive, inclusive humor when you can bring that style, that's what we're talking about. To your point, it's not about being a clown. It's just being a little bit more authentically human. And humor is a big part of that human experience. Absolutely love it. So we will include a link in the show notes to where they can get the book on Amazon. What's the best way for people to connect with you online and to uh, learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, well, if they're interested in learning more about humor, then they can go to humorthatworks.com, and we've got tons of resources there. So a link to the book. We've got free blog articles. We've got a free newsletter that we send out, uh, access to an online course if people are interested in that. So if they're interested in more on the skill of humor and building it out or learning about our workshops or coaching or that kind of stuff, humorthatworks.com. If they want to connect with me, whether it's just you know to, to ask me a question or they just love puns and they want to follow my ridiculous puns and wordplay on, on uh, social media, they can follow me at Drew Tarvin, D-R-E-W-T-A-R, V as in Victor, I-N. That's across you know Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, and uh, I recently discovered I still have a MySpace page. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah, because that's yeah. normally where I go first is MySpace, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I want to make sure that people have that have that option. <laughs> yeah, because it just it, it pains me when I can't find somebody on MySpace. Mm -hmm. so, I know. Uh, 
All right, Drew. Well, hey, man, thanks for sharing your ideas and your wisdom. Always love it. Always a great conversation. And we may even invite you back. Yeah, who knows? All right, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Drew is one of my favorites, always makes me laugh and gives me great insight. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information you can use and apply to your business right away. First, remember there are five different areas or skills of work. Execution, thinking, communicating, connecting, and leading or influencing. And each of these areas can benefit from humor in the workplace. And it doesn't mean coming out there and wearing a funny outfit or slapstick. Instead, it's just connecting at a more human level. And using that idea of the humor map of understanding the medium, audience, and purpose will allow you to appropriately use humor in the right places. And just remember, don't use it when there's either inappropriate topic or subject, an inappropriate target, so you're doing the humor at the expense of someone else, or an inappropriate time. And of course, run out and pick up on Amazon or wherever you like humor that works. Choose a talented author. And if you ever have a chance to book him for an event, your audience will love it. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.